This is Planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. In our second episode of 1 John, Pastor Matt leads us through a discussion of walking in the light of Christ. Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Matt Grimm. I'm back here with Thad Keenel in the Planted Podcast. How are you doing today, Thad? I'm doing good. It's always good to be here. Yeah. This is fun. Yeah, I do too. I look forward this time every week to be able to get in the Word and have some good discussion with you, have you tell me, you know, what I'm thinking wrong and everything. I don't know why, but I'm always surprised that we can talk for over an hour about just one or two verses. <laughs> I just think it's great. I mean, this is this is where I love to just dwell. Yeah, it, it is good. I mean, we have, we were just talking before we started recording here that, oh, let, let's try to get, you know, this far, and we're always surprised that we never get as far as we <laughs> think we are. <laughs> Um, but last last week we did you know we did some introduction to First John and and we basically covered the prologue which is uh, generally agreed upon as the first four verses and we talked about you know obviously we want to go through the book of First John but we also have this theme of witnessing that we want to kind of draw out throughout as part of our secondary objective I don't know if we would say that as, as well as just teaching through the book but and it really is. Uh, it, you know, it shows itself right from the beginning that John is opening with his testimony of what he has seen and heard, and he's, and he's putting it in the context of the plural. He's saying it's just not just me, it's we, it's this apostolic community that he's writing on behalf of, and, he, and that they have a message to proclaim, and that, that message is from firsthand account. You know, he, this isn't something he heard from others. He's saying, you know, I heard, uh, I, heard I saw, I touched... And I want to. We want to announce it to you. We want to proclaim it to you, so that you would have fellowship with us. And our fellowship was with the the Father and His Son Jesus Christ. And that's going to make our joy complete. And so this this notion of fellowship we we talked about. And we're going to talk about it more again today because it comes up again um, in, in in the verses today. But I I want to just dwell on it just for a minute ahead of before we read again, because this fellowship, this koinonia. This kind of shared experience of of life with God, life and, and thinking about the Trinity and the Trinity's life with within itself, uh, within the three persons of the Trinity, that they have koinonia. Mm. You know, they are the true koinonia of that. They are, are um, three distinct persons, but yet, um, but they're all, but they're one. You know, in 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 essence, but. But there's true relationship happening between them, uh, true fellowship, true ideas, thoughts, emotions. Um, there's real love, you know, that is there. There's uh, admiration. There's all those things. And, and just trying to wrap my brain around and, and, and encourage my imagination to think that I get to participate in that right. and that we corporately get to participate in that right well what the trinity um from my side of things expresses is this eternal god mm -hmm. this eternal power yahweh right yeah. the almighty one right that exists in three persons like you said in perfect union mm -hmm. with each other which must include that perfect fellowship yes. right so before creation 
there was there was perfection in fellowship and existence within yes. the Godhead of Yahweh. Right. Right. And so nothing else had to be done. Right. It was right. out of his own desire yeah. to create fellowship with us as his beings in the angelic realm. Right. That more creation or that creation begins yeah. to take place. So that's how it unfolds. And that's why when we were talking earlier, um, you know, a couple episodes ago about the eternal covenant, mm-hmm. it had it had everything to do with, well, why are we here? Right. right? And now and now this is the expression yeah. of his true love for us is the laying down of his life, yeah. you know, in, in the form of the second person of the Trinity. Yeah, and we'll talk about that specifically more today too, the necessity of that. But with that, I think what you said there, just that deep love and desire it's so strong in, in within the Trinity, you know. The you could even say maybe it originates with the Father, then with the, then you know is who begets the Son, and and their love together, you know, proceeds into the Holy Spirit, or however the church historians and theologians over the years have talked about that. Right. But the idea is that they so I don't know if appreciates that way, or just they that desire was so strong, and they felt like this is so wonderful. That they wanted to share it. They they wanted other beings and that that creative power within them just said, "Gosh, this is this should be great if it's multiplied." In some right, way, right, right, and and perhaps even to have whatever they're creating, the angelic realm and the human right. and all of creation worship, yeah, Yahweh. Right, right, and that sounds like that might be a little bit big-headed if somebody say, "Hey, I desire worship," right. but not when you're dealing with the God of all creation. That when that when it's so wonderful, and right? it's all about the love of the expression of the exactly of, uh, right. Yeah. And there's some, and then and then we'll see that you know there's the you know we we talked about in, the, in those episodes about the eternal decree too. There's something about Jesus and the embodiment of that in in the flesh that was the ultimate goal of creation that we could somehow know his saving power and his graciousness and mm. you know and all of that yeah. as well so yeah. so anyway you know that that's uh, um, and, and at the end of the last episode too I, I shared a little bit just of a, like a personal struggle of, of just a, a bad day I had that that, that we all we all that, that have in the sense that that where we kind of we lose a sense of the purpose of that fellowship and we focus on other things and it leads us into to um, you know, sin and 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 the loss of of that, and and which comes with it frustration and anger and and other things, and and which leads us into, you know, the why this message is so important, why this announcement is so important, and why we we just have this need uh, for for Christ. Exactly, and so as we get into this book, I mean, first of all, it starts off with the preexistent one, of course, yeah. but as John is expressing to the reader. Or the hearer in this case, uh, what his witness is, and of and of who it is, it is in regard to this this relationship, of course, but also of who we are in Christ and the right way to reflect His glory to the world. Yes, you know, exactly. be, because if we, as His creation, and being saved by Him for a purpose, which is to glorify God, right then there's a right way to do that and you can't just do that when you're living in sin and and all the expressions that are going to be right. you know versed out here for us right. um you have to give a good testimony you have to live that out right and, yeah exactly and, yeah. and so look, before we read we'll just just kind of a little preview here is that we're going to be talking about um throughout john what he's talking about he's he's wanting to help us understand the truth 
right, which is related to the testimony. He's trying to tell something true, and it's all considered, it's all centered around Jesus, who brings us to the Father, who restores his fellowship. But in that truth, there's always an integrity issue involved that, that it, it should have to show itself in practicing the truth. Mm-hmm. So he constantly is going to be leading us to the truth of God, the truth of Christ, but also with that has to come the truth of ourselves, which is we, um, we struggle walking with him and we need forgiveness and we need we need to rely right. upon God not ourselves so so anyway let's let's get into it if you would read um, starting in verse 5 and go ahead and read through 6 of chapter 2 okay in the New King James version verse 5 says this is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So, I'm sorry, through, so chapter 2? Yeah. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. That's good. We can we can stop there. Okay. We won't get much farther than that. I don't think. <laughs> well, yeah. well, it keep, obviously the flow keeps going, but yeah, yeah that's yeah. Um, there's a lot there, Pastor. There is. Yeah. So, um, so what I what I kind of want to do is is just start asking some questions, uh, kind of in three categories, uh, in terms of what is true. Uh, so we'll, we'll maybe next time we'll focus more on the kind of what to do, um, but we've got to look a little bit at what is true. Uh, right now, because because if we are going to bear witness, if we're going to testify, our testimony testimony needs to be true, right? And so and, and so with that, there's always anybody's testimony is subjective in the sense it's coming from their perspective, their experience. But for it to be um, worthy, worthwhile, it also needs to be objectively true, right? right? We, you and I can see the same thing, and we can both testify to it and, and tell it a little bit differently. But there should be some common facts involved in order to, to see if we're telling the truth, right? Sure, sure. And so I think that's what we want to see, because in here, John is saying some things that he said, this is the way it is. And so let's identify those. And I want to look at them in three, three ways, from three perspectives. What is, one is what they call theology proper. What is just true about God? Um, the other one's going to be Christology. What, what the theology, what, what's true about Jesus? And there's obviously some overlap there. Sure. Um, and then, the, then what's, what's our anthropology? What is true about, what's he saying is true about humans? And let's just, so let's just ask some of those questions to begin with to kind of walk us through some of this. So starting with uh, what's true, what do we find in this passage that is true about God? Well, Right out of the gate in verse 5, it says that God is light. Yes. And in him is no darkness at all. Yeah. So, so let's, let's, what is, when it's saying God is light, okay, that's, is that just, is, are we talking just physics here? 
<laughs> is, you know, or 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 what? When when the scriptures use because light, this is something that the scriptures use a lot. So what, when we think about God as light, we could we could start with Genesis chapter one. <laughs> yeah, we we sure can, and and also we talked about last week how this um, this letter from John here, this first epistle, reflects. The Gospel of John, which also does the same type of thing. Exactly. Right. Yeah, he uses that all the time, and so, um, so light is is used. I mean, it's used. You're you love to, you're you're a student of the tabernacle, right? Um, and the feasts and festivals and things. You know, we have festivals that use light. We have right. the tabernacle has the menorah, you know, in it. Um, what what is light representing? Um, even going, in, I think it, even within the tabernacle, it's, re, it's reflecting in some ways back in Genesis one, right? That, right. That God creates light. Light is the first thing out of darkness. And so, what does light symbolize? Sure. Well, I, I mean, there's first of all, it's multifaceted, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's there's so many things that light does. If, the first, if we just talk about physical light, yeah. is that if you if you're in a completely dark room with four walls and no windows, but you light a match. Right, that little light from the match dispenses all the darkness. You can see the whole room with the with the right. light of a match. So, right. um, what the light actually does is it exposes yes. things. Right, there is there's there's an element of like it does show the truth. I right. mean, it, it reveals what's there. You know, and so so God, you know, in that sense is um, you know is the true one. And it, it's interesting too that that light is. Um, as it relates to God, the God is the creator of light, but God Himself is is uncreated, right? right. I mean, He is the source of all light. Right. Right. Light light came into existence from Him, you know. And so, so if this sense, if God, if, you know, God is light. It does, you know, God created light, but here it's saying God is light. Uh, and so, in, it, it's interesting to think about that from from even like the eternal part, the eternal nature of God, and God is. Um, He's not a light among other lights. He is the he is the one, the personal, eternal God who always has been and always will be. Right. And so, uh, but but then also we you don't. Know, it, it says that he is uh, there in him. There's no darkness at all. Right. So it, it, there's this contrast with darkness. And so, what is that saying about God? If if he is light, if he is truth, if he is reality, okay, the the the, the, the ultimate reality in that sense, then what's darkness is kind of the opposite of that there is no darkness in him maybe we could say he's pure and undefiled yeah well where i was led with this when i was looking up at this this, for the study here um i was led to the gospel or to the letter of james okay okay so in james in chapter one it says that every good and Every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Yes. And then listen to this description. With whom there is no variation or shadow of turning, Mm -hmm. right? Of his will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be the kind of first fruits among his creatures. But anyways, the idea is here there's no variation or shadow of turning. So there's this purity. Exactly. It's consistent. It's going to be always perfection in it's assembly, right? So yeah. It's a, it's a definitely a right. It's definitely one of those things that when we look at, I was just thinking also just crossed in my mind um, in the book of Revelation at the end, there's not going to be a sun. Yeah. <laughs> there's no sun for the for the. There's no need for because because his light you know it, just shows everything right. Yeah. Yeah, which is interesting too because I think with that you and you talked about there's no shadow. Um, 
nothing is hidden from him. Yeah. You know, think about, you know, the, the psalm that talks about us, there's nowhere you can go to hide from God, right? Um, that, which we want to do in our sin, but God, God sees it all, right? There's, there's nothing that is hidden from him, nothing escapes his notice, um, and, and, and so in that we have, you know, some of those omni, think about the omni characteristics of God that are used, his omnipresence. You know, when the light shines, the darkness, you know, can't be, you know, can't hide from him, right? right. You know, so he's omnipresent, but he's also omniscient. He knows everything. You can't hide truth, you know, of your sin or, or anything from him, right? And, and with that, then, you know, God also, if he's pure, he's without defect. He's without sin. He, he, he's without deception, you know, he doesn't tell lies. He he just tells the truth. So that purity, and I think we often use the word glory, and, and even that word glory uh, is often associated with radiance and light, and you know the light of the. You know, often that's why they use gold to for uh, the glory of a king or something, to wear a crown and thing to to just have that radiating out from God, that he truly is, as Jesus says, the light of the world, mm-hmm. right? That, yeah. And Jesus identifies with God in saying, I'm the light of the world, right? right? Um, and so, you know, I think that's one of those I am statements are all Jesus, you know, proclaiming his deity, you know, in those things. And so, so yeah, so we see that God, God is this, um, in just his, the, there's the grandness of his nature, but then also in verse, if we jump down to verse 9, we see something else about God, that God is is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Mm. And so here, the God of, of truth, the God of purity, God without defect or sin, uh, this this same God, who is is, he wants to forgive. Um, and, and we think about the Old Testament, you know, that he that um, he's he's willing to forgive, you know, to the thousandth generation. Right. You know. Oh, uh, well, we, yeah, exactly. And I think uh, a good perspective for me, for sure, anyways, is when I, you know, when I fail, and I'm like, oh, you know, I, I, I deserve not to be loved by God in this very moment. But when I think back to my original condition and the worst state that I could possibly mm-hmm. be in, that's when He expressed His most His love to me. Yeah. You know. Right. And so if He can love me in in the worst of my times, right, then that relationship can be always in perfect fellowship because he doesn't condemn me in light of my mistakes, you know, unless I'm denying the fact that I'm making them. Right. Yeah. I mean, that it, 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 it relates back to this whole idea of fellowship, you know, that God desires that. And if we desire it and are, are willing to, to confess our sins and, and come to him by the means which he's provided, mm. See, that's part of the problem, I think, for people sometimes. We're, we're jumping a little bit ahead to the Maybe. anthropology. But the point is is that, that I think often uh, people are willing to admit they're not perfect. But often we want to be our own saviors. We, yeah. want, to be, we, want, to, we want to provide the remedy for our imperfection. And, and, and God's like, eh, no, come to me. I've got the way. Right? Yeah, or their attitude <laughs> is, hey, I, I know I'm not perfect. I'm just going to live it out that way. You know, no. Nobody's perfect, and so I'm just going to walk... Walk yeah. it out that way, and that, I'm not talking about Christians necessarily. I'm talking right. about the world, right? right? But as as believers, for those of us who are to be reflecting His glory, His light, yeah, you know, that's to that's to be an example right. to that world to say, yeah, I am human. Yeah, I make mistakes, but I yeah. I bask in you know in the forgiveness right. and the mercy of the Father. Exactly, which leads us to the Christology, uh, which is what's true about Jesus. Because if we want to enter into that fellowship, right, with God. 
if we enter into that fellowship with sin, uh, unclean and with defect, uh, we got some big problems. Yeah. <laughs> right? exactly. We're not going to survive. Right. We, we can't survive. We need a covering, right? We need a washing. Uh, we need to be able to, we need to be able to come into this with some kind of, um, you know, be, you know, if, if you're going to look in the sun in, into the right into the sun, you're going to need some pretty strong sunglasses. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> right? for sure. Exactly. I was actually brought right back to the gospel of John in this, you know, okay. in regarding uh-huh. the light in a couple of verses. Um, from the Gospel of John, uh, verses 4 and 5, it says, In him, that is in Christ, since we're talking about mm-hmm. Christology, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Yeah. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. But this, what is that? That's that light of Christ, of his glory, of his perfection, exposing yes. the world's sin, right? And then in, if you drop down to verse 9 in the Gospel, it says, That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Yes, yeah. That's what we need. That's what we needed, right? Because we were just we were just lost in our own darkness. Exactly, and so, so we see in that both uh, with Jesus, we see the provision of Jesus, but we also see the character that this is saying. You know, Jesus is God. You know, the the, the we um, yeah uh, that identification with the second person of Trinity with. You know, with the the Father and, and the Spirit in the in in that sense, and so, yeah, that's great. Um, if we think about, I think we mentioned this a little bit in the first episode too of the this idea. One of the things that John's probably addressing in this letter is this notion that um, Jesus, if, if God, that God really can't become flesh if he's if he is pure and undefiled. Um, then uh, this Gnostic and even this Docetism, you know, believe he just appeared as a like a ghost and somehow he can't become flesh. But yet John said, "No, I actually touched him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I handled him. He really is." Um, there, there's this, there's this interesting dualism, you know, within Greek thought, but it, but it's really kind of present in all of humanity. Even within Hebrew. Thinking, I think there's a, a little bit of it in the sense that there's the heavenly and the earthly, right? And there's the this notion of light and dark. There's this sense in which you know God is the really real. You know, He's He's the source of all reality. You know, and and I often say, you know, we can know God truly, but we can't really know Him fully. Right. There is a sense in which God is above, you know, right uh, all else. Right. But yet He enters in and shares our humanity with us. Um, right. he, he said, no, I can do and actually, I can do this. And actually, for me to have fellowship with you, I have to do this. Right. It's like, it's like mathematics, right? We, we might not understand all the world of mathematics, yeah. but we can understand subtraction, addition, multiplication, right. maybe some calculus, depending on our <laughs> yeah. education level. But, but we can understand it. And all of that is truth. Yes. Right? But yes. We, yeah, but it goes beyond that. So... But we, but 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 we need to. I, I bring that up because we need to help us in our Christology understanding of Jesus. Is is sometimes I think, especially evangelical Christians, we 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 love to jump to the deity of Jesus, yeah. right? Because we want to defend that, you know, all the time. Right. But we need to we need to understand his humanity. Right. We need to understand that this pure light, 
you know, was able to become human. Right. And that says something about, back to Genesis 1, and his original design for Adam and Eve, right, and for, for all of humanity, is that, they, that this fellowship, this this pure, wonderful God was, was to be able to walk with us, right? right? And he wants to restore that. And so... So for a second there, I thought you were maybe going earlier um, mm-hmm. um, before I spoke, which I probably wrecked your train of thought, but that the purity of the light, you were talking about what was it das, das, mm-hmm. and stuff like that that maybe it wasn't because of the flesh there was this conflict of thought yes and also um you know in regard to the perfection of christ being around humanity that's full of sin and that not like wearing off right of him. yeah yeah they, that's exactly it they think no, this can't be possible god can't do this yeah because their concept of god was so transcendent you know that or, or even if it was and even in some senses i think often it can also be impersonal in the, in the, if you think of like the, even like the logos is just the it's the idea of the perfection mm. you know that that is is only in the sense like in some sense spiritual but not as personal right it's just kind of this almost like you know in the far eastern thought of transcendentalism and things like that you know I don't know for sure but the point is is that we see that God, that our God is deeply personal um, himself and that he can become um, human. Uh, for us, I think it is, it, you know, it's one of those things that kind of blows our mind on the one hand, but yet it's so rooted deeply in in what we believe, right? And so back to the Gospel of John, right? Th- that he that he came and tabernacled among us, <laughs> right? <laughs> he 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 lived among us. Th- that is that is so important. Uh, so I was just gonna uh, reflect back to our study in Colossians too, where it talks about Jesus Christ, where He is the image of mm-hmm. the invisible God, right? The right. firstborn over all creation. Um, again, expressing you know the fact that He is the expression of God in our life. Right. So what the confession, the Westminster Confession, states about the man or the God-man, is that mm-hmm. he's he's truly God and truly man. Sometimes people will say he's fully God and fully man, or 100% God, 100% man. That's really, right. that kind of can add a little bit of cloud to it. But truly God and truly man, you know, very God or very God. Yes. This, these are terms of expression that show um, how that can exist um, in cre- uh, as God steps in. It's not that he took something off, it's that he put something on. Exactly. That's exactly where I was going. That he he never stopped being God. He was always 100% God. He just stepped into time and became 100% human as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. So let, let's get back to our verses here um, in that we read and, and just ask, what do we see here about what... what what Jesus, um, what's true about what Jesus is doing here? Uh, and so if we look at, at verses 7 and 9, we have this, uh, where there's a common word in 7 and 9 that talking about what Jesus does. What is that common word in those verses? I guess I should actually be there to, to, <laughs> to look at that. Um, but... Um, it's the word cleanse. He cleanses us. It, it would, says he. You know what? It would have been helpful if I was in chapter one still. <laughs> I, I moved on to chapter two. Sorry about that. That's all right. Um, yeah. So so we have this word cleanse, which is the Greek word katharizo, and so if we think about the our word catharsis or cathartic, you know that we you know if, if you think about in medical terms, you know uh, that it can be yeah. to cleanse or to heal um, in some ways. 
uh, you know, if, if you think about it, like from an emotional standpoint, something that's cathartic, it's emotionally healing. But it can mean to make physically clean. It can mean to heal a person of disease. Um, mm. uh, but, but it can also make one um, clean from a ceremonial standpoint as well. You know, so you may be your ceremonial unclean, but you can become ceremonial cleanly clean. Uh, but to purify, you know, to purify through a ritual or ritual cleansing. Interesting. So um, yeah. you're talking about the, the cleansing. I mean, there was the ritualistic uh, type of stuff in the in the priesthood, and and yes. even and even for the followers, the Israelites, but also um, the physical, like the lepers yeah. and stuff. You know, there's there's a physical aspect right. to that, and so yeah, that's interesting. So our our sin is a disease. Yes, exactly. You are saying that I am sin positive. <laughs> And so am I. <laughs> and we need a blood transfusion. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's... Um, uh, and so, so really, so let's let's look let's think about this from the temple standpoint, just for a minute, um, because the what when in the in the sense of the temple rituals, on one element of them, there is just this ceremonial uncleanness. We're walking around. In a in a fallen world that is reign, ruled over by death, and so there's this manifestations of death in in what we in just how we live, you know. And so just but to be in God's presence, to be near the to be in the tabernacle, right? They needed there needed to be cleansing just to 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 kind of shed off the death and put on the life in, in some senses, right. and, and to have we had these. And so some of those animal sacrifices would just kind of that substitute to say, okay, um, we're going to, their life for mine in order to just be in God's presence. Um, you know, uh, but then, but, but not only that, especially when it comes to the Day of Atonement, then you also have the moral guilt, right? You, you, so it's not just the fact that we're, you know, unclean because we live in this, in this realm, but we're, we all have contributed and participated in, you know, in it, and so there did need to be the the sins of the people and the nation. Even the, the high priest had to be dealt with, right? So there's the there's kind of that dual element of it. One of it's just representative of what it takes to be in the presence of a holy God. Mm, um, yeah. It, you know, it, but the other is the other is really, but it, but our actions are you know um, are have to be dealt with. You know, we have we have rebelled. We've turned against God, and that that needs to be dealt with too and so so i think it's when we think about this the this covenant that we have that that israel had with god that is as a, a shadow of of what uh, pointing to what jesus is doing it's related to the true god that we talked about but it's also then which we're going to talk about a little bit the the anthropology it's related to our sin but jesus is is the one who's providing that cleansing He's making us, um, what I'm trying to bring out here, probably very clumsily, is there's one sense, you know, some of that cleansing had to happen for the priests to just be able to enter into the service. So they're being set apart and consecrated to serve the Lord and be in his presence. Right. Right. But, but then there's also the issue of, but we, we got to deal with our consciences. We got to deal with our guilt before God, too. And, and and that's being done. So it is a twofold thing. And yeah. I, I think maybe an example uh, that I could demonstrate here is with a conversation that I had with somebody some time ago. And um, we were talking, I, I was actually witnessing to the person, and we were talking about their 
recognition of of sin and guilt mm-hmm. for the things that they've done. You know, whatever it is, have you ever told a lie type of thing? Just walking them right. through some of what the law can expose in a person's life. And so when they were admitting that that they were told lies, so right. they're, they're now admitting that they're a liar and that they've stole something, so now they're a thief, you know, all, mm-hmm. these, all these things. It's like, well, now what? What are you going to do? Well, I'll ask for forgiveness. Okay, that doesn't do anything for you. You can ask all you want to, right? That feeling sorry for it or asking forgiveness is not the key without the recognition that something has to pay the penalty, right? That there has to be a shedding of the of the blood of Christ to forgive, right? Right? And that's who you have to put your trust in. So you can't have just feeling sorry for for what you've done that's certainly part of it and that's a recognition of it but we have to be dependent on on the one who came to give his life right for us and right. so that's what happens um with within the tabernacle as well right so the priests can't just go in there you know without being clean themselves like you said consecrated right. and when the people come with their sacrifices to the priest to carry out that particular sacrifice right. they can't come without having separated themselves and, and recognizing that god is light Right. I think that's I think yeah. that's where it kind of comes down to. And then the very first thing that they do after, you know, when you when you walk in, when you walk into the tabernacle area, there's this giant laver, they call it, it's a brass laver. Yeah. And it's filled with water right. and it's all for the washing. And so you do, you have to yeah. you have this continual washing. It's a ceremonial washing, yes, but it's also symbolic in in, in form of the washing away of of the filth in our lives. Yeah, so Jesus is the blood that his blood cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness. God can now look at us as sinless because of Jesus' work on the cross, right? Um, and then, and then we also see in, in in verse one of chapter two that Jesus is an advocate. Okay, so he's the, he in he's the agent of our cleansing, but as that agent, he also becomes an advocate to the Father on our behalf. Um, so. Uh, we need someone speak. You know, kind of representing us before God. You know, Jesus is God, but here we have the Father. And, and, and so, in one sense, Jesus has in his humanity as the Messiah, as the one who, who is there, he's advocating for us mm. um, yeah. that, 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 he, that he has cleansed us, right? That he, we can come before this pure and holy God and, and say, um, uh, objectively, there's a reason why we can be there. And, and we have one advocating for us. So, um, which I think this is important a little bit to see Jesus in this way, because when we think about our adversary, the devil, what is he? He's an accuser. So the, the, so the accuser is going to want to come to God and say, well, uh, wait, that's not clean. Uh, uh, you know, I, <laughs> that's exactly you right. know, that's, that's, the, you know, a thief and a, and a liar and all those things. Right. Yeah. And so, so, can the, can the devil accuse us anymore when we have faith in Christ? I, I think he can. I think he can. I think he can. Um, he can bring the charge, and what he's saying will even be true of myself, right? Hmm. But we have an advocate that steps forward, right? right? That's Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he says, "Yeah, Father." But all you see is my righteousness on him, right? In the yeah. book of Revelation, it talks about those who are. The, the saints are before the throne and they're in these white robes yeah. that were washed 
in the blood exactly of Christ right. of the Lamb, right? And that we, yeah. if you wash something in blood, it's 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 this disgusting <laughs> red stuff, right? Well, that just shows the life, the the life that was paid, right. but it, it makes us clean, and that's exactly what it's saying here. Yeah, and so when he, so it basically, if you think about a courtroom, he's sitting there trying to accuse us, and in essence, he kind of he, you know, he has the facts, you know, he's laying it out there, but the judge is sitting there going, not guilty, because our advocate on our behalf is saying no. I, I've I've taken care of that. Yeah. Right. Right. You know. And and if nothing else, even if we are guilty, he's taking the gavel and saying the penalty's paid in full. Yeah. Right. Right. This that's what tetelestai means at the yeah. cross that Jesus speaks. Yeah. You know, that's right. another economic term. Yeah. That that the the wage of our death has been paid in full. Right. Right. Yeah. Amen. And and then we have in in verse two, and part of the reason I had us read all the way first two is it says he's the propitiation for our sins. Mm. Um, and so he's he's the agent of cleansing. He's the advocate for us, but he also then is the, is this propitiation. And so um, so we need to probably unpack that a little bit when we so because when we sin, we not only we have a debt that count against us, but we have this break. We have the the breaking of a law that offends God, and we also have this uh, breaking of this fellowship that we were made to have with God, right? So this fellow, we have to have a way to be able to enter back into the fellowship. So it's relational. You know, it's not just a legal issue. That's also a relational issue. You know, that, that that's going on here, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I didn't realize that I was actually quoting chapter two when I was talking about that, that we have an advocate. Oh, yeah. The Father Jesus Christ, Richard. Yeah. I'm I'm literally saying yeah. that, and yeah. then I scroll down. It's there. I mean, right. it, it might have been subconscious, but. Um, we know those verses so well because mm-hmm. we depend on them yeah, yeah. in our lives, right? right? And 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 to have him there that I missed your question, so you have to oh. ask it again. <laughs> well, no, so I'm bringing up. So he's, you know, we say he's the agent of our cleansing. He is that advocate, but he's, it also says he's the propitiation. Now, the propitiation it's related to those things, but it's let, let's talk a little bit. Let's unpack that a little bit. That propitiation. Yeah. Well, um, so. I always use the word propitiation, and when we've talked in the past, you kind of use the word expiation. But when I say think of propitiation, I think I must have heard it first from John mm-hmm. MacArthur, where he described that propitiation is is pretty s- simply the word that means satisfaction. It, mm-hmm. it, it satisfies um, something in God. There's something that satisfies the wrath of God against our sins, right? Because so we deserve the wrath, right? And there needs to be a satisfaction for that. Yes. Yeah, and and so we have we so I think and then that's that a little bit I would say that's that relational issue right mm-hmm. that that has to be dealt with he, God's God's righteous anger has to be dealt with you know and, and so so this is being done but then there's the expiation which actually this this word in Greek the hilasterion is sometimes it is translated expiation sometimes it's translated like propitiation out. Here in this in this one dictionary, the 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 BDAG that I will often use to look at some of the great stuff. It, one has the means of expiation, right? Um, the to the that has to do with the the effective removal of impediments to a relationship with mm, God's self. Yeah. Okay. And then you have the place of propitiation, which that's where I think we think of the mercy seat, right? Which is the lid on the Ark of the Covenant, which was sprinkled with the blood of the sin offering on the Day of Atonement. Right. You know, and so, um, so I think there's, you know, there, there, we obviously see the relationship that's and that's the two there. go hand in hand. Like, exactly. Right. You can. So I mean, right. you can the, use the, the, 
the one to describe the both. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but but if we do think about the Day of Atonement, uh, mm. so let's just think about that for instance. What's going on on the Day of Atonement? On the Day of Atonement, well, the atoning, um, the word atonement in the English language means at mm-hmm. one, right? Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, at one with God, right? Right. At one minute. So we are brought together with God, but it's also the, the word to atone comes back from the original Hebrew um, that I first remember recognizing in the time of Noah when he's building the ark. And it says that he covers the ark with a pitch. Yeah, right. Well, the word covers the the ark and the word cover and the word pitch are both the same word and it's a tone mm-hmm. it's the he atone. isn't it kapur from yom it, kapur it, it, it is yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. yeah so the hebrew word is kapur right, right. so you you're, you're covering with a covering right, right. You're, you're 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 pitching the boat with pitch <laughs> yeah. all those words but you're that's the atonement right and right. so when you're doing that you're you're sealing you're you're getting all the benefits of what that covering does which right. is the protection from the ark right yes. from sinking from the waters coming exactly. in against us right yeah, and, and so what? So what? That's what we have represented here with this mercy seat, this covering. We need a covering to be in the presence of God, uh, to be back into full into this full pure fellowship of pure light. You know, we need covering because if we if that sin goes in there exposed, it it's just going to burn us. Exactly. <laughs> right? We're going to be we're going to be destroyed. Uh, but but Jesus is is the covering and he's the place of covering you know mm-hmm. he he's he is the he's the one that provides it but he also is you know is the is he's the way we enter in you know too right. and so so he's he's cleansing us and, and he, he's also but he's i think what i've been try, wanting to emphasize is that he's the one who can bring us back into this fellowship you know that 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 this God satisfied in Christ, and so humanity, he can once again dwell with humanity. Right. Well, going back to this word propitiation and expiation, mm-hmm. and I think you mentioned this uh, before the show, was the fact on the Day of Atonement, there's two goats oh, right. that right. are that are brought in, right? And one goat is for Yahweh, mm-hmm. and the other goat is called the scapegoat. It's, it's right. the, the name is Yazazel or Azazel, which that second goat, so one goat pays the price and satisfies the wrath of God in his blood. The other goat, the high priest lays his hands on it um, and prays the sins, basically, symbolically, of the whole nation, the whole nation mm-hmm. on that goat. And they take that scapegoat out from the camp, right? And this, right. there's other things that could possibly happen down the road where they throw them <laughs> off a cliff and whatnot. But the idea is that the sins are being taken away, expiated. Right. right? And so Removed. symbolically, both those things are taking place. Exactly. Right, and so and what that does is it, it symbolizes the fact that um, if the sins of people are brought before the presence of God, they'll they'll get destroyed. So He has to deal with it. But it also is is saying you know God's God's freeing us from a guilty conscience, right? That we that that they, He wants He's removing them, right? And so we don't have to hold on to them anymore, right? right? I go back to a few episodes ago. You were talking you an example of of. Why should I keep asking forgiveness for the same sin over and over again, right? <laughs> you know, we don't need to do that. Once we've done that, we need to trust that God's taking care of it, right? It's been cast out of the camp, right. you know? And so, yeah. so yeah, so so just to kind of wrap up our Christology there, we see those three elements of of Christ's work uh, that, that are there for us, that he is the agent of our cleansing, he's the advocate for us before God, and he is... He's the propitiation for our sins, and mm-hmm. so, so I think it's important for us to 
continue to dwell on that and preach that gospel to ourselves and and let us let us become um, free to approach God um, but always with the understanding of that need that I, I don't approach God without Christ right it, it's always in and by and through him yeah this has to do with that free grace from God mm-hmm. that um, when he besets his love upon us in a saving way that regeneration that takes place is an enlightening there's there's light added to us that we recognize our own mm-hmm. filth and right. our and our um, what our sin means right. that we're condemned and that also the need for a savior right, right. so th- that all happens at re- at regeneration so this is a uh, a specific point in time for for people of the world to come and recognize yeah. that light and so with that it takes me to verse 10 I'm not verse 10 I'm sorry but um it's where Jesus Christ and he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not ours only, but also for the whole world. Right. When I first would read that, I'm thinking then God through Christ has satisfied the penalty right. for the whole world. But there's there's a specific point to that world, isn't there? It's for those of whom the light shines and they're regenerate right. and they recognize right. that that's the satis- that's the only that are satisfied. Yeah. Right, and and, and, and and so there's not restriction on ethnicity or God's, pe- you know, that that it's the whole Gentile world. I mean, it's it's everyone has is 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 being brought into this from a that large category, right. you know, kind of thing. But then within that, it is specifically does come down to that belief. Right. So there's right? a subcategory. There's you, a subcategory. You have to believe. You have to believe. You have to believe. Right. Yeah. So um, so then with that then. Obviously, we've already started talking about this, but so to understand that we can only approach through through Christ, there's that anthropology start with mm. part that we there's truth about ourselves that has to be understood here first. Uh, that we we have to have a just like we have a good doctrine of God, we have a good doctrine of Jesus, uh, the the Christ. We have a good we need to have a good doctrine of of humans, <laughs> and so part of that true doctrine of humans is understanding. That if God is pure light and Jesus is shedding that light into darkness, that darkness is here and we are part of that darkness. Right. And and so um, we have to acknowledge our own state of being um, before this holy God. And so we see this first in verses 1, 8, and also in 2, 1, this, this biblical word that a lot of people don't like, um, we're sinners. <laughs> right? That's exactly right. <laughs> we are sinners. We're unrighteous and impure. That is who we are by nature. Um, and if we claim to be without sin, what does it say about us? Well, it says that we're lying to ourselves. We deceive ourselves. Right. Not only that, but it, it says we're actually... Without truth. Yeah. Truth is that, not in us. Yeah. that, that we're, we're kind of... We would be making, in some sense, if we're lying, we're lying before the, the true and pure God that... That we've been basically saying, who's calling us sinners? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. God's calling us a God sinner. Is, so and now, so if I'm saying if I'm not a sinner, then what am I doing? You just made God a liar. I just made God a liar, which um, it's impossible for God to lie. So our theology is that it's impossible <laughs> for God to lie. Right. I mean, that's blasphemy. Right. right? It basically becomes blasphemy at that at that point. Right. And right. by the way, um, this is this is the state that we were all in before we. We're saved. Yeah. I mean, we all 
we all deny that, right? right? I mean, yeah. or we excuse ourselves with it. Right. And so... But there was a particular issue, I think, even so, that, that John's addressing here, that, they, that, that some Christians were starting to say, oh, I can, I can reach this point where I, I no longer sin. Yeah. Right? And, and I think he's even, even speaking to them, it's not just the before, it's even the during, that I still... Um, now, God wants me to, see, me to see myself as a saint, as one saved, with a new life, Right, but at the same time, you say, but but that doesn't take away the fact there's still an old man in me. There's still the sin. There's still the flesh. And if I think I'm somehow moved beyond the need for Jesus on a daily basis, then I'm gonna then, then I'm deceived. Right. right? Yeah. 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 So so we're sinners. The second thought in the passage is is that um, that there's a sense in which we are deceived and in denial. Right. That uh, that if if we if we if we don't acknowledge this. And we're denying the truth, then we're not experiencing our current reality, mm-hmm. you know. And so, so I think that it needs to be um, acknowledged before us is that there's always this danger of self-deception that's coming along yeah. side of us, yeah. right? It still sneaks up on me. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's it's just it's it's part of our flesh to, to that, want to think of ourselves better than we are. Uh, yeah, we we like to be wise in our own eyes, yeah. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> which is you know eating from the wrong tree. And then the third thing that that this says about humanity though is that we are capable of being redeemed. While we're sinners, while we're prone to being deceived, we are redeemable. Mm. Um, yeah. And that, that that though we're sinners, and though we we at times deny. Um, just our state, God still is able. God is big enough to change us, He to forgive us, and um, and for us to be restored into the light of fellowship with with Him. And, and so it goes back to the thing we've talked about on here before: is this at times we don't deny our sin, and we we do acknowledge it, but it weighs us down, and we think, oh, you know, uh, I'm just so bad, God can't do anything with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we've said before that there's a, there's an underlying element of pride in that, in the sense that no, you we are redeemable. God's power more. God's light is more powerful than our darkness. Right? It, it is. Isn't yeah. that funny that in, sometimes in a in the act of trying to be humble, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, my sin is just so bad that you know God can't get there. It's almost like saying I I, I don't deserve this. Right. The exact opposite <laughs> is true that God paid the ultimate price yeah. for the worst of the worst, right? right? You can't think of anybody that that sin outweighed God's possibility for grace or mercy, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, so you're right. And then you just you end up in that vicious circle, you know. But again, that's why we have to stay in, in the Word of God, right? Because it's, it it's His Word right. that is the light unto our path yeah. to follow this. Yeah. So, so just to bring some of this back out to us in terms of this idea of witnessing and evangelism, that we want to be able to share the truth with people, that I think it's important that we realize that there are some, there are people out there who are preaching uh, from the Bible things that aren't necessarily true about God and about Jesus and about ourselves, and and so some of them are some of the fasting grow, fastest growing religions in the world. I think about of Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons, right? Who um, who are they're they're denying the the, the real deity of Christ. Um, mm-hmm. They're 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 not proclaim they're 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 proclaiming 
they're not really proclaiming grace to the fullest. I mean, it, it's Jesus, you know, for Mormons, it's Jesus plus, right? You have to, you have to add these other religious things on top of him. And, there, and then the Jehovah's Witnesses themselves are just born acknowledge he's God. Well, right, right. That was part of the Arian controversy that we right. talked about a few right. t- um, sessions ago, yeah. right? Yeah, so, so we need to understand what, the reason I bring these two in particular because I don't know about your neighborhood, but they come, they still come knock on my door in the neighborhood. And I think I have enough of a reputation now that they have sometimes started skipping over me because <laughs> I'm in the logs or something because I've been, uh, you know, really, I, I really invite them in and want to build a relationship with them and ask them to come back. I want to keep, I keep asking questions to try to reveal the darkness within their theology. Right. You know, but the, the point is, is that are you prepared when that person comes knock on your door? Um, you know, I think a lot of it's just like, oh, they're going to bug me. I'm watching my show or I've got my project or whatever. And, and I'm like, I, I just get rid of them. You know, we want to get rid of them. But that's an opportunity to share the gospel. It Someone's really, knocking on your door. I mean, you know, really they want to be, they want to talk. You know, Pastor we Matt, to, they, they, they have the Bible. I mean, yeah. they're using the same Bible. So you're, you're trying to expose their darkness Yes. with the Bible that they they have a Bible yes. but it's because of poor interpretation so you use the right. the word of God in in the right way I try I, to do Bible study with them is what it, I tried to do and it still can expose the darkness which is right. true so when we think so um, just because we go to church that there's no darkness in us that's that's wrong right we need we still need the word of God need, to expose yeah. the, the darkness that continues yeah so so but but part of that is we have to we part I think sometimes the reasons people don't want to invite them in because they because I, I think they feel like I don't know enough right I don't know that I can have a good conversation with them because I you know I don't know that I can defend my faith well well that's my point is that's part of what you're saying is we you know your faith Right. We want you to know it. That's why we have this podcast. We want you to get in the Word. We want you to know what's true. And so you can share the light, right? And not be afraid. We shouldn't be afraid of the darkness. You know, and so we need to be able to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I encourage you to think about that. The, the scriptures are, are, you know, are also, there's another, there's another issue that's out there a lot too, is that with the scriptures, they're being used for, as a tool for human success, there's the prosperity gospel that's out there too. That that that's basically you know trying to. Uh, I think there's a, a sense of denial. We talk about denying the truth. There's some denial in there too. That we that there's this somehow sense of you know um, God's just going to bless me and give me all this stuff. And, and often with the prosperity gospel, most of the people preaching prosperity gospel are also preaching that you can achieve a status someday where you no longer sin. Mm. Just about every one of the prosperity gospel preachers are preaching that very message as well. And and, and so they're not acknowledging 1 John 1 yeah, um, right. in this. And so we need to be careful of that too, because we need to be able to follow the truth and, and the truth of uh, if your anthropology believes that somehow in this you're going to achieve some kind of sinless state and where you can you can just um, renounce all sin you, you have this protection in the current world you know from suffering and from trial and and from your own moral failures you know then then 
that I think that that's another indicator you need to be careful, right? Yeah. And that's why we need to know the truth. And, and I believe we're forgiven. I believe we have power to overcome sin, all those things. But be very careful of some of the messages that are preached out there that I think are denying what John is saying right here. Oh, and I think yeah. it's, it's one of the heresies that I think he was facing in there, that, that, that you can somehow achieve this, this um, the state before glory. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, some of that is um, the scriptures... It embolden, they embolden us so much sometimes to because they say things that like you know if if you walk in his light then you do not sin or right. by keeping his word God's love is perfected in you God's love is perfected in you and yeah. these are some things that we'll be able to tackle next time and, and, right. and walk through as well yeah. And so we'll get into that. But my encouragement for us here, and this isn't just about head knowledge, as we'll talk about next time. This is, turns into our experiential knowledge, how we, how we experience and walk in the truth. But we need to know the truth. We need to be planted by streams of living water. We need to be in the Word of God. We need to be inquisitive and use your imagination when you don't understand something. Ask questions. Seek out biblical helps. There's all kind of resources that are available, you know, to help you know the Bible. Uh, I encourage you to use the Bible Project. Is, is, uh, Bibleproject.com is a great place to go and just learn how to read your Bible and learn, learn some of it. Um, there's the Blue Letter Bible is another online resource. Come to our website. We have resources uh, here at the church. We have a curriculum guide that we have available for just to help you in, in, in starting to learn. But it, it just takes that investment to know the truth. And so we, we encourage you to do that. We, we need to know what's true about God, what's true about Jesus, what's true about ourselves. Uh, and if we, if we get deceived in any of those things and we get led astray, it's going to have consequences. And, and so we encourage you to um, be students of the Word, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Well, be sure to check out the show notes. we got Pastor Matt's email in there, so you can email any questions for follow-up. We're happy mm-hmm. to, to do that, and we look forward to joining you next time. All right. All right. Sounds good. See have you. a good day. forward to having you join us next time as we continue our discussion of chapter 2 of the first epistle of John. Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production, connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.